creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQALFM on the campus of Winona State University. Living in a river town like Winona means plenty of opportunities for enjoying the outdoors and viewing a variety of wildlife. Whether you like to hike the local trails, kayak the backwaters of the Mississippi, or enjoy some time in Levy Park, Winona has something to offer for everyone. But living on the river next to such natural beauty also means that we have to be good stewards and take care of the natural resources around us. The City of Winona has an agreement with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to do just that in an area called Agaming Park and Reserve. Agaming is enjoyed by many for fishing, kayaking, or canoeing, and it is especially good for birding. Today, we hear from Richie Swanson, president of the Winona Bird Club, about Agaming Park and Reserve and the agreement between the city and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I'm Bill Stoneberg with president of the Winona Bird Club, Richie Swanson, on Culture Click. We're here today to talk about uh, an agreement made between the City of Winona and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service about the uh, Agaming Wildlife Area. Well, it's it's officially called Agaming uh, Park, a John Latch Preserve. Okay, okay. Um, Is it okay if I just uh, refer to it as Agaming? Yes. (laughs) Okay, that's kind of a long title. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's an Ojibwe word which means across the, the water. Okay. So it's very pertinent for Winona because it was a gift from John Latch that's across the water from Winona. Oh, that's perfect. That yeah. is perfect. And so uh, Agaming itself is, you go across the bridge from Winona and it'd be on your right? Is that Well, well if or? you start at Highway 54 to Wisconsin mm-hmm. and you, you go across the interstate bridge and then across Latch Island, then it's downriver from Murtis Slough. Um, it's west of Trempolo Refuge, and it's islands and sloughs that last all the way um, to across from Homer. It's oh. 1,100 acres. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, so it's a large area. Yes. Oh, wow. That is, I, you know, and, and that's funny because I never really knew about it until, you know, you sent me some information here. Yeah, and it is across the wagon bridge. That's the, that's, okay. what, that's what makes it Unique. It's very accessible for a floodplain forest and right. for Mississippi River Islands. People can walk to it. People can bike to it. Oh, great. Yeah. I didn't realize that. For some reason, I was thinking you had to canoe or boat to it or something. Well, there is a canoe because, trail. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, that's another cool thing we should talk about. But um, but first of all, uh, the agreement, there was an agreement uh, signed last year in 2018, but uh, it's between the City of Winona and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, what does the agreement really mean for Agaming and the city? Well, it, it gives the city the help of fish and wildlife in managing uh, both the conservation and the public access of okay. the 1,100 acres of floodplain forest and wetlands. Okay. Uh, it sets some parameters. It, it will also provide uh, what Agaming has never had, which is law enforcement from the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, it will uh, set some um, ground rules. It'll keep vehicles out of the woods, which is also desperately needed in, in Agaming. So the mayor appointed a task force this spring, which I am on and a few other citizens are on, and we are coming up with a management plan to recommend to council, and the council will uh, vote on it um, 
it, several months from now. It'll be a while. We're, we've just met twice, mm-hmm. and I don't know how long the process will go on. I mean, Fish and Wildlife has their own standards, and it specifies in the agreement that pretty much what Fish and Wildlife does on the Upper Mississippi Refuge is what will happen at Ogaming. Okay. Um, but we'll make some we'll make the best recommendations that we can to kind of supplement those. Right, right. And this is and even though the agreement was signed a year ago, it's it sounds like it's it's important for people to know about right now because things are starting to move forward, right? Yeah, things will move forward. I mean, the the uh, um, the Fish and Wildlife has already um, almost completed a forest inventory at Ogaming, okay. which is important because Hundreds of ash trees are, are dying in, oh, in the forest, okay. and it, this will enable Fish and Wildlife to make the best decisions possible about what species to plant okay. in place of the ashes. Okay. If you just let it happen on its own, unfortunately, exotic species will move in. Buckthorn and Reed's Canaria grass oh. will move in, and you won't get a forest. That's happening all, all up and down the upper Mississippi. So now that's one of the great things about the agreement. Fish and Wildlife is able to put its resources into sustaining the forest at Ogaming. Oh, wow. That's great, then. Yes. You know, I mean, so in the past, is the, the city was solely responsible for this area? Yes. Okay. The city and the, and the off-roaders and the, the off-road vehicles. And, 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 and there's been environmental activists who have, who, who've stood up for the area, mm-hmm. too. The Winona Bird Club and also Mississippi River Revival, um, when it was active, the Green Park. Party, um, uh, advocated for Ogaming. So there's always been, there's a lot of fishermen who um, stand up for Ogaming too. Right, right. Okay. Well, and speaking of the Winona Bird Club, which you're president of, um, there, uh, you guys are celebrating this agreement with an event uh, next Wednesday, September 4th uh, at 7 p.m. at the Winona Friendship Center. Um, what can we expect to see at the event? Okay, well, the event is called... Um, Beautifully Abundant Birds I Desire, and it's a PowerPoint presentation of five months in the field at Agaming that I spent in uh, 2007. I wrote a blog called Riverbird Blog. It's If you Google it, it still comes up. It's at my website, richieswanson.com. And I focused on bird activities, breeding bird activity, migrating bird activity, ecology of the river. And I wrote about conservation issues as they come up, came appearing with the birds. Um, so I put together a, a narrative of that five months experience in the fall. And I call it beautifully abundant birds I desire, which is a phrase I took from an English translation of the Navajo night chant, which is a healing ritual. Mm -hmm. And it, it goes like this. It says, happily may I walk, happily abundant vegetation I desire, happily in earthly beauty may I walk. Beautifully will I possess again. Beautifully birds. Beautifully joyful birds. And then at the end of the chant, it invokes future generations. With the beauty all around me, may I walk. Thus it will be beautiful. Thus walk in beauty, my grandchild. And that's kind of my vision for nature in general but also specifically for Agaming Park. And the reason the Bird Club 
is celebrating that is because um, the the partnership with Fish and Wildlife is that the partnership is going to take steps um, to keep Agaming beautiful and right. unspoiled, especially by off-road vehicles. Right, right. A- and the trash dumping and other things that mm-hmm. have happened there. Yeah, yeah. It's you know it's a shame when things like that happen. It's but uh, but hopefully we can curb that now. With I, I think so, and it, it, things have changed. And you know the Flyway Bike Trail is going to go. Oh. Um, on the cement road, or it's all called also called the wagon bridge uh-huh. um, road, and so it, the flyway bicycle trail will go across the wagon bridge, and then it'll just skirt Ogaming on the north edge, and that should bring some law and order to the place too. Right? Uh, yeah. 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 Having people out there that care about it's it. It's been kind of a lawless land. <laughs> uh, if you wanted to dump your trash, uh-huh. um, if you wanted to take a tree, you took a tree. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it, it actually, if you wanted to cut a tree so your vehicle could have access to the woods, you did that too. Um, so th- another issue that was resolved is the power company did maintenance right where a, um, a rare hawk, a red-shouldered hawk, which I first discovered nesting at Ogaming in 1994, that the power company did maintenance right beneath the nest and actually the the hawk abandoned nestlings once it's a, it's kind of a sensitive hawk but now um there's a gate and the power company stays out of the red-shouldered hawks territory during breeding season and it okay. comes and it d- does its maintenance during the winter oh. and and that's important cuz a lot of people they ask well how can you how can you solve those kind of problems but if you th- if you take some wisdom to some management guidelines a lot of times there are solutions you just have to know what's happening and how to protect what's there right right and that's and i think that's probably one of the important things about this agreement is then now we can find those solutions by working with the fish and wildlife service and implement things correct yeah and we're also gonna work there's really no it's kind of a nameless territory. Like I came up with names I call One Trail Prothonotary Trail because uh, prothonotary warblers, which come from mangrove swamps in Central America and nest in stumps in Agaming, they're plentiful along this old dike, and I call that prothonotary trail. The red-shouldered hawk um, catches frogs to feed its nestlings in what I called red-shouldered marsh. The osprey recovered from the DDT uh, problems and first came back to Agaming in 1991. So where it came back, I call that osprey marsh. And the committee will come up with some common names to use so people can know where they are. Right. Right. Right now, there's yeah. Uh, Sam Gordy's slough is 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 the name that's most known for Agaming. It's a, a narrow slough along the railroad tracks where a lot of fishermen fish. Um, and uh, that'll stay Sam Gordy's slough. Um, but that's about the only name that people knew for the place. Right, right. Do you think that maybe they might use some of the names you've uh, come up with? Well, I'm advocating for it. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. There's also a, a very rare warbler called the Cerulean Warbler um, that comes from uh, old growth in Peru, gold growth mountain mountain forests, and it breeds in Agaming, or did breed um, during the 90s. I documented it from 93 to 98, and I call those woods Cerulean Corners. And um, that's another thing that the forest inventory and forest regeneration um, will help, because cottonwoods 
as they're allowed to exist now, do not regenerate in the in the water conditions in the Mississippi because it's a channelized river. Um, and the ceruleans depend on tall trees like the cottonwoods. So Fish and Wildlife will be able to plant cottonwoods and keep those tall trees in the forest. Oh, cool. And that's a, that's a goal up and down the Mississippi. Right. And this is going to help. You know, I, I want to go back to the uh, poem you, or the, the yeah. verses from poem. the chant. It can be called you the know, poem. Yeah. The poem. Because it ended with, uh, I don't remember the exact line, uh, but it's something about children, grandchildren. Thus walk in beauty, my grandchild. My grandchild. So yeah. That, and that implies, you know, that we're going to... Uh, keep this around for future generations exactly that's the goal that's the goal access plus protection for future generations right right yeah i love it um so with the it sounds like a great place for birding uh yeah um i uh um i've birded it since 1994 um i could go on and on um there's a uh, 25 different warblers um, that I've seen use ogaming. There's about 34 wood warblers, um, which are long-distant migrants. Mostly they come from South America and uh, Central America, and some breed in ogaming, like the cerulean and the red starth and the prothonotary warbler. Um, and some keep going on, like there's a black pole warbler that actually flies 6,500 miles one way from the Amazon forest all the way to northwestern Alaska to breed. Oh, wow. And then when it returns, it flies all the way across eastern Canada and catches a wind on the Atlantic Ocean and actually flies, has been recorded to fly 88 straight hours all the way wow <laughs> all the way to the caribbean um uh, and i think driving just a couple hours is yeah, a chore <laughs> yeah yeah so that's a black pole so there's there's lots of miracles that that uh happen at agaming there's a, a healthy beaver population um this year the beavers um built because the water came up so much the bil- beavers built lodges on top of lodges on on top of lodges. They built lodges on top of dikes. They built lodges on wow. top, top of fallen trees. Um, but uh, um, they did have kits, and they were basking lazily in the sun at the highest level <laughs> of the rivers. There's an otter population over there. Um, there's uh, lots of soft-shell turtles and snapping turtles. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of diversity there. Cool. And it's and like we said, it's great for birding, but it's also, you've mentioned fishermen, you know, if people want to hike out there since you can walk, you know, to it. Yeah, people get their northerns during the flood right behind the wagon bridge. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they get their sunnies in uh, uh, Sam Gordy's slough. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, uh, so... So it's really something that, uh, you know, lots of people in the, the Winona area can enjoy and as long as we take care of it. And, they and, will be able to hike to Swamp White Oaks. That Actually, the biologi- biologist from Winona State here, Carol Jefferson, aged years ago as being over 200 years old. Um, some of the wow. oldest trees in the, the floodplains way before the dams. And uh, people will be able to hike and see those swamp white oaks, which are are also struggling uh, to regenerate in the uh, in the channelized river. the The soil stays too wet in oh. the channelized river for the traditional forest to grow. Right. Um, so it, that creates a management cha- challenge for people who want to keep the forest as it was, or even to keep a forest in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So swamp white oaks pretty much. 
Um, there are some places that are high and dry enough at Ogeming where swamp white oaks are regenerating on their own, but it, it, they, there's also a lot of places on the upper miss where they're replanted w with the express goal of keeping the acorns um, for things like uh, red-headed woodpeckers um, mm. and deer and uh, squirrels and other mast-eating uh, wildlife um, with the you know intent that will keep the oaks in the woods. Right, right. And, you, and you've mentioned the Channelized River a couple of times now. And I think that's a really important point that, you know, we do need to manage these areas because we've altered how it naturally exists. So, yeah, you know, management's very important, isn't it? One of the first things I learned when I, I, I did breeding bird censuses in association with fish and wildlife. And one of the first things I learned from fish and wildlife was that the river here is more like lakes than it is a, a natural flowing river. Mm -hmm. The way that um, the floodplain forest used to regenerate is you would get really low water in August and you would get mud flats. So cottonwoods would, would start to grow and river birch would start to grow and then they'd hold the soil and you'd get a forest, you know, that on that mud flat and the mud flat would increase and the, the forest would increase. That doesn't really happen anymore because the water just doesn't get as low for right. as long as periods as it used to. And then when it gets high, it stays higher longer. Okay. So you have a different, a different water ecology than you did before the dams. So that's one reason you need to manage. But Mostly you need to manage because there's so many of us okay, and we sure. love to use the river so much, mm -hmm. whether it's to go fast in our boats or whether it's to go fast in our cars through the woods or whether it's uh, to burn a campfire and camp anywhere mm -hmm. we want or whether we need some some people need a place to dump their trash. Um, so, yeah, management is important. And the other thing is. Um, you know, you can identify species that are declining. Like um, one thing I want to make sure I talk about is right here at Phelps Hall and in Winona State, mm -hmm. only 20 years ago, nighthawks would fill the sky in the summer. They nested on the roof of this building and on, oh, wow. on, on the roofs of other buildings at Winona State and downtown, the car dealers down by the river. And they're virtually gone from Winona in in my lifetime um, they were around just 15 years ago and they're, they're they're not really around anymore and and that's probably um, due to well here it's probably related to the crow populations crows eat nighthawk chicks okay. and crows are plentiful much more plentiful on campus than they were 20 years ago but there's they eat insects so there's probably a pesticide problem um, they used to nest in prairies prairies are gone essentially 98% of prairies are gone from the United States so you can choose like not so much at Agaming, but in other places in the refuge okay we'll restore a prairie so mm -hmm. species like nighthawks have a traditional place to nest a nest a, a habitat where they have succeeded in the past and that's the same thing um, that happens at Agaming for other species right right okay um, and you know, just going back to the uh, uh, the celebration next week, uh, again, that's going to be uh, Wednesday, uh, September 4th at 7 p.m. at the Winona Friendship Center. And that is free and open to the public, correct? Free and open to the public. And I should mention the photographers 
the late Bill Draskowski, who was the president of the club for the year, and then our up-and-coming middle school student, Francis Cole, who already creeps up to cuckoos and takes wonderful pictures of them. Wow. Alan Blake Sheldon. All these people have great credits like National Geographic. Kay Shaw, Kathy Carlisle, Lisa Reed, Andy Nyhus, Howard Munson, who on his 95th birthday, here's a challenge, on his 95th birthday photographed rare warblers on prothonotary trails wow. at Ogming Park. And my partner, Barbie Bell, who uh, cool. has helped greatly in the conservation of Ogming. Oh, that's great. So there's going to be a lot of great photos. Yeah, there, a lot, lot of great photos. And, yeah. and I'll answer any questions and, we, and we'll do a narrative afterwards. You get free treats, free bars, free coffees. You can talk. You can join the club if you want. It's $20 for an individual, $30 for a family. And we meet um, through the winter um, and through April. And we, have a, we bring an environmental scientist or other program speaker in once a month to the Friendship Center. And then in May and other times, we take a walk together. Okay. And, yeah. Great. Now, uh, will any of these photographers be at the event? Uh, most of them will be at the oh, event. Cool. Yes, yes. So yeah. if anyone's got questions for uh, them, they'll yeah, be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sounds great. So, you know, I just have a, a couple of general questions, too. Like, in birding, how long have you been a birder, and how did you get into it? I... Uh, I came of age taking long-distance bicycle trips, and uh, the, the birds were my neighbors. Um, I uh, um, had a, a roommate who was a biology student in 1976, and we watched some birds together uh, one spring. But then, And we also backpacked together on the Appalachian Trail, and we watched... Cape May warblers and Blackburnian warblers and, and other things, and we were just learning all the songs. And I was just, as I started to backpack and take long-distance bicycle trips outdoors in the late 70s and early 80s, I was just enraptured by the miracle that's out there. Cool. And I had to know the source of every sound, so I, I made sure I identified every bird sound that I heard within uh, possible and then, as I grew older, I did some bird work. I did uh, breeding bird censuses here, and uh, uh, some duck counts and 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 the river bird blog and and other things. So it it just became a kind of an automatic love of life. Right, right. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, when you spend time out in nature, you know, when you encounter things that you're unfamiliar with, a lot of times it sparks you to learn, you know, more yeah. about it. Yeah, and it, it also inspired me to know how to be quiet. I'm I'm from a busy suburb in in Connecticut outside New York City. Uh Um, So the woods was always an attractive place for me. But once you you need to pay a lot of attention to to really understand what you're watching out there. Mm -hmm. So it really learned, it really taught me to take a deep breath, calm myself, relax, just receive what's out there. Don't be in a hurry if possible and just enjoy the miracle. Right, exactly. I mean, I would encourage anyone to go out there and enjoy this area because it is beautiful. Um, I've been out in parts of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking of stealth, I was, I've always wondered, you know, in birding, do you have to be real stealthy and quiet to be able to, to find these birds? Or? It, it, it helps. I, um, I had a, I called a walk um, last spring when the warblers were really good. 
and we were going to go on Prothonotary Trail to see the Prothonotary, who was a luminous gold warbler and was around. And about 25 or 30 people showed up. It was too many, oh. and, and, and we didn't see the bird. Right. Um, so, yeah, to be as quiet as possible is important. Birdles are very social. There's a, a, a kind of a close balance. I bird a lot alone, and then I bird with groups, too, and it's a different experience. But I, I've never gone out with another expert birder and not learned a lot from him. So, I mean, right. there's so much out there. Um, there's infinite out there. And so uh, there's a lot of smart people who are birders. So if you can mm -hmm. go out with them, I guarantee you'll see something that you haven't seen before. Or you'll, they'll tell you something uh, or identify a sound that, right. you, that you haven't identified before. So it works both ways. Right. But to keep your voices low, that's a, that's a good idea. Okay. And to walk slow. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Walk softly and carry uh, binoculars? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, these days. <laughs> use these days. Yep. So the Mississippi River Valley is, uh, it sounds like it's really good for birding. Well, this, uh, uh, it, it's the the vital flyway in the central mm -hmm. United States. Right. Um, the, the, there's uh, about 300 species that use it. Ogming alone has eight bird species with protective legal designations. Oh, wow. um, it has three new eagle's nests. Um, it used to support black terns, um, which are endangered in Wisconsin. Black terns still nest at Trempeleau Refuge. They they fly across the railroad dike and catch small fish for what's called a fish flight display. They bring their the males bring fish to females at the nest and and do a little flutter display and and huh. and drop it. Um, and there's uh, all kinds of events that that happen in the Mississippi. As in, in the agreement, it recognizes um, that the Mississippi River is vital to the. Um, population of North American birds. Mm -hmm. um, so this is this the the birds naturally fly up the flyway. They have done it for centuries, and right. and we provide some habitat. People think because we live where you can see floodplain forests on the river all the way up to the cities, or all the way down uh, to, to to Dubuque. Um, that the floodplain forest is a common thing, but we 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 are the exception. Most of the floodplain forest in the world is gone. It's been developed. Uh, mm -hmm. The cities to the edge of the river, or yeah. agriculture to the edge of the river. But because Will Dilge formed the um, upper refuge in the twenties, um, we get to see all the floodplain forests that we have. So right. it's really rare habitat. It doesn't seem like it to us, but but we live in Nirvana as far as bird population is concerned. Right, right. It really is a treasure to have yeah. right yeah. here. And I yeah. think you know, it sounds like you can uh, witness things and in, in, in birds that you wouldn't normally see in other places, right? That's really true. I I can count. On on a good spring day, I have counted 23, 24 warblers, and um, people fly across continents to to, mm -hmm. to to be able to do that. And Winona, wow. you can you can walk across the wagon bridge, and uh, yeah, you, you don't have to see twenty three warblers to have a great day. But you can see all kinds of good warblers on a day in May, or you can listen to a brown thrasher who. Um, ornithologists say have an infinite vocabulary and he mimics all kinds of birds out there will sing and sing his heart out at dawn so yeah you you the miracles really out there for Winona and the, the potential 
that Winona wants for arguing is, is because it's so close to schools is that it's educational um, potential is really high. That doesn't mean a school or a building over there. Right. Uh, it just means that you can someday you can get students over there mm-hmm. and have a hands-on experience of nature. You have right. to have the resources, which are which are not there these days. Um, but the, um, th- that's a challenge for the city and a right. challenge for all of us. Uh, how to keep he uh, keep the next generation connected to nature? We live in the perfect place to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, like I've said before, I uh, encourage anyone go, to go to the uh, event next Wednesday evening. Uh, it's with the, the Winona Bird Club's putting it on. And I'm here talking to uh, Richie Swanson. He's the president of the Bird Club. And, uh, Richie, you know, you mentioned a little bit ago about their songs. Uh, have you ever recorded any birds or know anyone who does around the area? Uh, no, I, I've read um, Bird Song. is a, I used to count birds by the song. Okay. Uh, yeah, I in a 25-acre plot um, north of Minnesota City in the floodplain forest and also in Perot uh, Park and also at Agaming, I did point counts. Um, so you learn the individual songs, um, but what birds are communicating, humanity really only knows the tip of the iceberg. Um, they, they have uh, sonograms, computers create sonograms, birds... Uh, we hear about one-eighth of the sounds that bird makes. Oh, wow. And actually, we don't see all the colors they they see either. Oh. They have um, extra rods in their eyes to see more color than we do. So they're communicating in ways that that, 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 that just flies over our head. Right. Um, but, and also, you know, it's, it's like here's an example. Every robin sounds the same to you and me. But to robins, they're each singing an individual song, singing their names, so to speak. And say a cardinal on its nest, a female cardinal on its nest, a male is out gathering food and he'll sing to the female and the female will respond to him and tell him if it's safe to come or not. I, that's kind of a okay. jump in interpretation, sure. but, but they know that you know sometimes the cardinal communicates and the male stays away, and sometimes the female cardinal communicates and it, and, and it comes. Huh. Um, there was a male red start, a little warbler, who sang one song and got one female on the nest, and they moved far enough away so the first female didn't hear him, and then he sang a second song and got a second female on the nest and then he moved a little farther away and sang a third song and got a third (laughs) female on the nest and did that a fourth time and he took part in feeding every single nest so they they're tremendous athletes birds are and they're communicating all kinds of things that we that we just don't know like another bird that doesn't exist here but a raven has what ornithologists think is an infinite vocabulary too okay so it's really it's really great and to um the, the the cuckoo which does nest at agaming has a knocker call call a kind of a wooden knocking um that's fascinating that calls its mate to the nest and on and on there's all kinds of uh verbal communication that goes on before mating and and during mating rituals and also to communicate with the young when the young are moving around the 
forest with their parents. Um, so there's there's all kinds of things we don't know. Uh, a great book is uh, the oh, what is it? The the science and art of bird song by Donald Krudzma uh, is the kind of one expert in 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 bird song. I recommend that book. Speaking of resources. You're a writer as well as a birder, correct? Yeah. So you have your blog. How can people find uh, more of your work? Well, they can go to richieswanson.com. And actually, speaking of the prothonotary warbler, the luminous gold water warbler that nests in a stump in Agaming, I, I, I wrote a creation story starring him and uh, American Athenium uh, nominated it for a push cart in 2013. That's at... Uh, richieswanson.com um, there's a bird studies tab there's a myth tab there's a short stories tab my novel is uh, First Territory um, you can get it at Amazon and other places so uh, anything you want to know about me is at my website okay great well, I'm speaking with Richie Swanson he's the president of the Winona Bird Club um, just a few more questions for you Richie uh, how can people get involved with the bird club at, like it can they go online and uh, sign up or find you, out more information? You can friend us uh, on Facebook. We're okay. the Winona uh, uh, Bird Club on Facebook. Uh, other than that, um, come to a meeting. First Wednesday of every month um, in October, we're having the Raptor Resource Project, uh, which is kind of creating the gold standard for nest cams. They're based out of the Decora. They do a lot of eagle nest cams and peregrine falcon work so and we then we meet in this november and then in december we have a christmas count you can take part in our christmas count we meet february march april all at the friendship center seven o'clock the first wednesday of every month um and uh we also look in the press we we take walks together and we announce them in the press so but the best way is probably to if you can't get to a meeting uh contact that's via the Facebook page. Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, I'm here talking to Richie Swanson again. He's the president of the Winona Bird Club, and they're holding an event on next Wednesday, September 4th at 7 p.m. at the Winona Friendship Center, and uh, the event is called Beautifully Abundant Birds I Desire, and uh, it's a really important uh, topic, especially with the, uh, there's a new agreement with Agaming, and uh, it involves the city of Winona and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and things are progressing now, so uh, this, this event, Beautifully Abundant Birds I Desire, would be an important uh, event to attend if you want to learn more about it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Richie. Thank you. Yeah, I'll answer any question at the meeting if people are good enough to come. Thanks, Richie. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Richie Swanson, president of the Winona Bird Club, for joining us today on Culture Click. To learn more about the Winona Bird Club, just look them up on Facebook. To keep up on all things Winona and the surrounding area, tune into Culture Click Thursdays at 1230 right here on 89.5 KQAL. I'm Bill Stoneberg, and we've just heard from Richie Swanson, president of the Winona Bird Club on Culture Click. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQALFM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening. To Culture Click.
Are you interested in all things Winona and the surrounding area? Find podcasts of Culture Click and all your favorite KQAL shows by going to kqal.org and looking for program archives under the Media tab. Culture Click is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.